Convy 2X 2021 is humbled to welcome Dr. Francis X. Campion, known to many simply as FX. Dr. Campion serves as Principal Lead for Digital Health at MITRE with work focused on AI for healthcare, fire interoperability, and the use of synthetic data for clinical modeling. He's a co-principal investigator for the landmark COVID-19 telehealth impact study, recently published in the open access peer-reviewed journal Telehealth and Medicine Today. He serves as clinical consultant for the U.S. government for the federal COVID response for therapeutics. He is a practicing internal medicine physician at Atreus Health in Boston, Massachusetts. Prior to work at MITRE, he served as senior clinical informaticist at IBM Watson Health, where his team built machine learning and natural language processing applications for care of patients with diabetes and heart failure. Prior to that, he served as the chief medical officer for IASDI, providing AI solutions for providers and payers. There, he co-authored the book Machine Intelligence for Healthcare. FX received his medical degree from Harvard Medical School, completed internal medicine residency at New England Deaconess Hospital, and is now on the medical staff at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Campion to Conv2X. Good day. I'm here to present findings from our COVID-19 Healthcare Coalition Telehealth Impact Study. This was a monumental work from a large group of, uh, of uh, health services researchers and uh, happy to share this with you today. There's no uh, conflicts of interest related to this project. We'll talk about the Healthcare Coalition and the uh, coming together of the telehealth work group at the beginning of the pandemic. We'll then discuss the findings from our claims analysis uh, that will take uh, the first portion. We'll move into the physician survey, then the patient survey. And then we have three uh, quick uh, reports on some uh, subtopics of interest, behavioral health, diabetes, and perinatal health. We'll be talking about the impact of telehealth on access to care during the pandemic and try to discern what this means for us as we move into the new normal. Uh, we'll see that over clinical domains and many specialties, telehealth uh, was uh, highly used and we'll review the relative use in different, different specialties. We'll evaluate patient attitudes regarding the quality of, of uh, telehealth using the surveys. And we'll throughout be talking and thinking about potential barriers uh, to the future use of telehealth, both on the part of providers and patients. At the beginning of the pandemic, way back in March uh, 2020, the uh, nation uh, had a jolt as it relates to the onset of COVID. Uh, in March, the national emergency, public health emergency was declared. And within days, the uh, COVID-19 telehealth coalition came together. This was a voluntary effort spearheaded by MITRE Corporation and Mayo Clinic. Uh, the uh, leaders, uh, Jay Schnitzer from MITRE and John Halamka, Dr. John Halamka from Mayo, uh, put out a request to the public sector 
And within a matter of weeks, we had over a thousand member organizations, health systems, uh, insurance providers, uh, biomedical innovation companies, and uh, really uh, went to town to try to tackle some of the most important concerns and challenges that the pandemic was dishing out to us. Uh, we formed over 15 work groups, of which telehealth was one. And the work from this study is just a portion of the effort that was accomplished through the telehealth work group. The project uh, included members from a wide range of organizations. And in this particular study, uh, we were uh, very fortunate to have uh, members from Mayo Clinic, uh, Dr. Steve Oman and John Halamka uh, help uh, uh, initiate the efforts at Mayo and to uh, get the IRB approval for this project through Mayo. We had a very strong team from uh, MITRE, including our health services research teams and our web, uh, web managers and data analysts. Change Healthcare provided the claims data for uh, all of the research that you'll be seeing that relates to claims. Uh, American Medical Association, the Telemedicine Association uh, provided uh, important important uh, uh, input, particularly related to the surveys and the impacts that this may all lead to uh, regarding health policy. Uh, Mass Challenge and the Mass Health Quality uh, Partners were active members, as was the Digital Medical Society. So let's get into the findings. We'll review the uh, claims analysis at the national level first. As we all remember, uh, it was an abrupt onset of uh, medical uh, facility closures in March, just after the public health emergency. I can remember in my practice, it was a Friday when uh, I saw my first COVID patient. Uh, I think that was March, uh, that very second week of March. And uh, over that weekend, our practice declared uh, that we'd be closing uh, for a few days and then reopening. And that was the story through many, many practices and many hospitals at that time, particularly on the East Coast. Uh, we see an abrupt uh, rise in the use of telehealth starting right in March 2020 and peaking in April 2020. Uh, the decline uh, has now been pretty well documented, not only in this study, but in others that use claims and other sources of information. Just a reminder, this particular study uh, is based on private insurance claims provided by Change Healthcare. Uh, Change Healthcare actually touches the claims between the time the provider, the hospital or the doctor generates the care and then sends the claim out. Uh, Change Healthcare uh, takes that claim and uh, does a number of assessments of it and quality checks and then passes it on to the proper uh, insurance company. So they're seeing it very early in the stream of care. And this was really instrumental for us in this project. We actually began uh, uh, publishing these findings uh, in the spring of 2020. And the goal here was to uh, essentially describe the growth and the nature of telehealth uh, as the pa pandemic unfolded. And so you will find on our public website uh, all of the information that you see today and in certainly greater detail than what we'll be able to share today. The goal here is really to understand what, uh, you know, where we're headed. And we can see during the tail end of 2020, uh, an actual uh, slight increase. And what you see there 
uh, as you may recall, there was an increase in claims associated with Thanksgiving of just a year ago and increasing uh, 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 subsequent use of telehealth in the weeks just after. So we see this uh, very flexible tool in telehealth responding to the needs of physicians and patients. On the uh, website, you'll be also be able to investigate these claims findings uh, at the state level. Uh, this particular image uh, on the website allows you to click on an individual state and then dive deeper into it. Uh, you can see in this information frame, we're comparing the use rate of telehealth in 2019, that's pre-pandemic, to what uh, developed during the, the pandemic year. And so this shows December, December 2020 compared to December 2019. And you can see uh, greatly expanded use rates in certain states and less so in others. One of the important characteristics of uh, telehealth uh, pre-pandemic was the, the, the significant limitations. Uh, we know that telehealth has been a potential option for more than 20 years, but the relative share of care has been uh, really quite minuscule. And you can see up through February uh, 2020, we're talking you know, less than 1% of clinical activities uh, in, this, in this data set. Uh, this is partly due to the fact that uh, physicians were constrained by a number of of uh, impediments by uh, payment uh, restrictions by both uh, private as well as government payers, as well as uh, restrictions on location of practice. And so physicians have been restricted to practice only in the states in which they're licensed. But with the onset of the pandemic, federal and state regulators uh, loosened that uh, almost overnight. And this allowed patients in any state to receive telehealth care from a physician or other licensed professionals in virtually any other state. And what we see uh, during the course of the pandemic is use of out-of-state providers in pretty much every state. Uh, this, is a, this particular uh, slide shows the national, uh, the national scene, and it was just about 6.3% across the board. That's a significant percent of care. When you go to the website, you, you can investigate this at the state level. And this slide is intended just to show a comparison of two states, Massachusetts versus Wyoming. Uh, we see here that uh, on the left side, Massachusetts had just over 4% use rate of out-of-state providers using telehealth uh, pretty much throughout the pandemic. But it was a considerably higher percentage in Wyoming with over 20% uh, of all telehealth claims being delivered by clinicians outside of the state of Wyoming. And this is gonna be very important as uh, regulators and insurance uh, providers and, uh, and uh, provider organizations, physician and hospital systems to understand what the sources of care have been for the patients in their states as we try to create uh, uh, plans and policies for the coming years. As many have uh, seen during the pandemic, it's been quite, a, uh, quite an impact on uh, mental and behavioral health. And the telehealth story really uh, demonstrates this considerably. In this slide, we take at the national level, uh, a look at what diagnoses and what groups of diagnoses 
were associated with telehealth. And you see the tall uh, blue line is relevant to behavior and mental health. It just shows an enormously different story for behavioral mental health compared to virtually every other clinical area. Uh, telehealth for mental health, as you can see on the left-hand side, was already the highest use area pre-pandemic, but it grew faster and to a much higher extent than any other clinical topic area. The other thing you see here is this uh, use increased use uh, at the onset of the pandemic in, in virtually every clinical domain. So we'll now turn our attention to uh, the first of the two surveys. This was the physician survey. This was performed in the summer of 2020. So just a few months after the pandemic began. And in the July, August timeframe, we had over 1500 providers uh, across the country responding to the online survey. We asked over 20 questions and here we're just gonna show, uh, I think three of them. We asked uh, which of the following if any, do you anticipate being barriers and challenges in your organization related to maintaining telehealth after COVID? Uh, physicians uh, could choose more than one answer and, and most did, but by far and away, low or no reimbursement was on their minds. We know that the change in regulation allowed for uh, reimbursement for telehealth with parity to in-office visits, meaning a telehealth visit was paid at the same rate as a traditional face-to-face -face visit uh, just at the onset of the pandemic. Pre-pandemic, typically telehealth payments were substantially lower. So this was quite a game changer. And this, this is uh, seen by physicians at that time as being uh, the potentially biggest concern of theirs. Telehealth uh, and technology challenges for patients were considerable, particularly early in the pandemic. And so clinicians identified this as the second potential barrier. In particular, some patients lacked smartphones or lacked computers in the home to, uh, to uh, actually perform telehealth. Liability was listed as number three. Uh, as, we can, as we know, telehealth is a completely different medium than a face-to-face -face visit. And the opportunity for physicians to communicate in a way that's comfortable for them is, uh, is uh, potentially at risk. And so liability concerns primarily stemming from uh, that lack of being able to do a tactile physical exam or the uh, inability to receive other cues of communication, nonverbal communications, for example, uh, regarding the patient. Um, integration with the EHR also was a top concern with over 30% of providers indicating that that was uh, potentially a risk for them. And we know that there's considerable work done about with regard to the integration of telehealth and EHR platforms uh, and has continued to be so over these many months of the pandemic. And so if we were to re retake this survey now, we think there'd probably be you know, a different combination of answers, but uh, probably still uh, have the same concerns overall. Licensure showed up, but it was way down at the bottom. Uh, I think this really relates to the idea of the in and out of state licensure physicians. Um, I think are already assuming that some of these licensure relaxations will be here to stay. Another question we asked is what if any remote sensor technologies are helping you provide better care for your patients via telehealth? 
And you can see, you know, common tools here, uh, but by far and away, in the summer of 2020, physicians indicated it was the smartphone camera that was their biggest tool, biggest and most important tool uh, that they were using consistently with patients. Uh, and indeed, it's become pretty much a, re a requirement for practice now to be able to take uh, to use the camera either for the live video or uh, using the sharing of photographs. Blood pressure cuffs, body scales, uh, and pulse oximeters were also highly ranked. We know that the data from these were very commonly just described over the phone or over the video connection verbally to the clinician to report the results. In some cases, patients were writing down their results of say their blood pressures or their weights or putting them in a spreadsheet and then sending them to the clinician through email or through another, um, uh, through another interface. We know this is a huge area for opportunity of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of automation in the years to come. And so we'll be keeping our eye on remote patient monitoring as we see uh, digital health integration unfolding. We asked physicians, what types of visits would you like to continue offering by a telehealth after COVID-19? And we see a real broad range of, of, uh, of types of telehealth or settings for telehealth. In this uh, question, we divided the answers into urban, suburban, and rural physicians. And we see it's pretty similar throughout, uh, but chronic disease management, medical management, case coordination, all lend themselves incredibly well to telehealth. Uh, we see specialty care getting high ranks and mental and behavioral health for sure. We'll move on to the patient survey. How did you connect with your provider for the most recent telehealth visit? This survey was done in the December 2020 through early February 2021 timeframe. So it's about six months after the physician survey. And you might start to see the fact that there's already been some potential improvements in telehealth connectivity for patients. Uh, so patients responded. They said telehealth uh, applications, access through their provider's portal was the most common method for telehealth connectivity. We had asked a similar to to question to physicians uh, earlier, and uh, it, was, it was lower for sure. But six months later in the pandemic, there's already been improvements. Number two were general purpose smartphone or video conference apps like FaceTime or Zoom or Microsoft Teams. And these continued to remain a, a important part of the telehealth uh, landscape for us. We know that actually some of these applications have been directly integrated into the uh, patient portals. And so even though a patient's accessing through their patient portal, it may be actually uh, a FaceTime or another one of these standard tools that's, that's being used for the image transfer. Uh, audio only also receives significant use. Uh, we see this showing up in virtually every part of our analysis that uh, telephone only connectivity between patient and physician continues to be incredibly important. We think about the patient who doesn't have a computer or doesn't have a smartphone, but does have a regular, say, flip phone or traditional phone. This becomes a lifeline, particularly during the pandemic, and becomes a way that patients and physicians can connect. In this data display, we divided the population by age, and you can see that for older persons over 65, 
they reported that their last in their last telehealth interaction with physicians, 20% of them were using audio-only connectivity. That's about twice as high as the younger age groups. We asked patients for your most recent telehealth visit, what type of care did you receive? And again, you see uh, a good distribution of types of care. Chronic disease management was ranking highly with over 30 and almost 40% of uh, patients receiving chronic care uh, for through through telehealth. Preventive care also also ranking high that at that point in the in the pandemic. And then acute care. In this case, we defined acute care for, for patients as being new symptoms, such as a rash or UTI or other. Um, but it's interesting just to see that balance of chronic care versus acute care that patients were uh, using telehealth. We asked patients, thinking about your last telehealth visit, would you have chosen telehealth over an in-person appointment if both required a copay? So trying to even the playing field as far as payment goes, we see tremendous embrace of telehealth. So uh, over 40% of patients said yes, that they would have actually preferred telehealth over face-to-face. And another 30% or so indicated that either would be fine, that they're, they're considering them to be reasonably equivalent, at least for what they needed at the time of their last visit. So when you add those up, we're getting 70 to 80% uh, uh, confirmation that, that uh, telehealth is a favorable and uh, almost a preferred way of doing business. Uh, those are enormous, uh, enormous findings, and we think will be important to, for physicians to consider after the pandemic as it relates to patient convenience for sure. We asked a series of sentiment issues uh, about the quality and the nature of of their last telehealth visit. We asked patients um, to indicate their agreement or disagreement with these statements. And the first statement was the provider was thorough. We see strong agreement uh, and and, uh, relative to disagreement on this. So patients felt that the telehealth method allowed them to have a thorough assessment. This is really important and one that we can't take for granted. The quality of the patient-provider communication was good. Uh, Again, uh, we have certain limitations with telehealth compared to -to face-to-face visits, but patients seem to be quite happy with the quality, with uh, 30 and 40% in the agree and strongly agree, uh, giving telehealth a thumbs up. I was confident that my personal information was secure and private during the visit. This is certainly an important dimension of care. And patients seem to really uh, take the lead of their physicians and believe that whatever that connectivity was, if it was adequate for their clinician, that they felt that it was appropriate and gave them confidence that the information was being used properly in in a secure manner. Again, this is a dimension of care that is really hard to assess in any other way than through a survey. I will continue to use telehealth services into the future. Again, patients gave uh, high marks here with uh, 70 to 80% of patients expecting that they'll be using telehealth in the future. We'll now take a closer look at a few uh, specific clinical domains. We'll start with, tele- we'll start with um, behavioral health, 
then we'll look at uh, a diabetes cohort, and then we'll look at a perinatal cohort. In this case, uh, we're looking at the claims study, uh, and we're looking at a subgroup of those patients. Uh, this was uh, specifically looking at anxiety, depression, and adjustment disorder during the pandemic. Again, this is from the national claims analysis. The patient group, our provider, uh, our, um, our uh, private claims. So it will have a, a relatively low participation rate here or a, a low fraction of patients that are on Medicaid programs or Medicare Advantage. Important to keep in mind. The survey is does, or excuse me, the, uh, the claims analysis does cover all 50 states. And in this case, uh, over 47 million patients were in the data set with a diagnosis of anxiety, depression, or adjustment disorder using telehealth during the 2019 to 21 timeframe. So we're asking uh, how was telehealth incorporated into the care of patients with, uh, in particular, adjustment disorder? Uh, how did ongoing use of telehealth compare in the rural versus urban areas? This has been a considerable concern and one that our policymakers and certainly federal partners are quite, uh, uh, quite uh, concerned about, particularly when we think about the risk of a, of a rural-urban divide as it relates to broadband access. This is a fairly busy slide. Uh, we won't go through all the details, but we're looking at the proportion of mental health claims uh, done using telehealth. In this case, we're, we're including the uh, anxiety, depression, and adjustment disorders together. And we're comparing the rural and the uh, urban compared to the combination. And what you see here is, uh, you know, early indications in the pandemic uh, that there's some differences between telemental health services between rural and urban areas. In this case, we see that the urban areas had a higher uptake. So we're seeing over 60% of all mental health claims were using telehealth in the urban area pretty consistently uh, throughout the pandemic, throughout this first year of the pandemic from April uh, 2020 through the end of the year. And the use rates of telehealth for mental health services was somewhat lower. So it was highest, uh, about 58% in April, but then it quickly dropped into the 45% range, again, bumped up a little at the end of the year. Uh, and we get that same idea that it's a flexible tool, but we definitely see a difference between the rural and the urban use across the country. The definition for urban and rural is based on um, location using their zip codes. We, we used a composite called the ZIP3 uh, to identify urban versus rural. We drilled in a little further in this case, uh, looking at, uh, at the um, services uh, and the relative decline of services for adjustment disorders. And we see a quicker reduction in the use in the rural areas relative to the urban areas. We don't know the answer to why this trend is being seen, but it's important to recognize uh, that it's there. One hypothesis is that possibly uh, there was bigger impact of COVID in the early portion of the pandemic. 
But as we get into the end of 2020, we know that the disease was pretty widespread across the country. And yet we do see lower use rates of telemental health in the rural areas. Now we're looking at even a, a, a finer grain division. We're, we're comparing uh, medical versus non-medical mental health. So we defined the medical mental health visits as those where a prescriber was associated with the care. So that would typically be a physician or a advanced nurse practitioner who has prescribing authority versus one a psychologist or a licensed social worker who would be delivering um, uh, counseling services but doesn't have prescription authority. Um, and so even among these finer grain groups, we can see this difference. And there, there is a steeper decline in use rates in the, in the rural areas. Uh, we haven't been able to do uh, focus groups in these areas to try to understand the qualitative reasons for this. Uh, but we hope that uh, other researchers may take that on and we invite uh, collaborators. That uh, report that relates to the telemental health use in urban versus rural has also recently been submitted for publication. So we hope you'll be able to get more details on that soon. This second state case study is relating to diabetes care during the pandemic. Uh, similarly, we're using the claims data and we are uh, in this case, ident we've identified over 6 million diabetics that had, we have the claims data on for 2019 through 2020, and we're following them through that whole time frame to understand the relative use rates of telehealth. This is just a portion of our findings. What we see of the total population Again, it was actually 8 million, excuse me. Uh, we see really high use rates of, tele, of uh, telehealth for, for patients with diabetes, particularly in that uh, second uh, quarter of 2020. That would be the April, May, June timeframe and a relative drop after that. But still, this is 28% uh, of the 8 million patients actually had an interaction using telehealth during Q2 2020. When you look to the left, you see the relatively, you know, much, much lower use rates for telehealth for patients with diabetes in the pre-pandemic timeframe. We know that diabetic patients have lots of clinical needs. And in this case, we're just comparing the use rates for telehealth for the diagnosis of diabetes in those encounters versus those that didn't use diabetes. And so in the, uh, uh, analysis that we actually are submitting, just submitted for publication, we have a very granular look at the types of medical problems that patients with diabetes were using telehealth for. Not surprising, hypertension, coronary and cardiovascular diseases, but also mental health disorders ranked extremely high for, uh, for this group. Again, for most encounters with patients with diabetes, there was more than one diagnosis and uh, so we see telehealth as being you know, incredibly flexible and very important for patients with diabetes. We think some of this analysis could be used for other chronic conditions like heart failure and chronic kidney disease. And uh, this helps to follow the thread about the use of telehealth for chronic conditions. I'll move on to the third uh, small case study that we did. 
this is the use of telehealth in the perinatal period uh, during the pandemic. Again, trying to inform us about where we might go with telehealth for this important topic area in the years to come. This was a really interesting study design. We took uh, births in June of 2019 and compared them to births in 2020. Again, this is the large uh, private insurance claim cohort. We had over 60,000 births in each of those one month periods. And we're analyzing the use rate of telehealth versus non-telehealth. And then for what clinical conditions uh, and clinical topics mothers were using. This image uh, compares the use rate of, of, uh, of telehealth in the three months before June of 2019 with the three months after June 2019. So that would be the three months before delivery and the three months after roughly. And then on the right-hand side, we have the same image for June 2020. What you see on the left side in 2019 is you know, almost zero use of telehealth for the care of mothers. On the right-hand side, we see uh, a substantial portion of patients using telehealth for the care they needed. Again, these moms were seeing their OBGYN doctors, but also potentially other clinicians. And we, uh, we, uh, we actually uh, dive into that in our most recent uh, submission as well. So moms are using telehealth for a broad range of topics, uh, and they're using it consistently in the pre and, peri and postpartum period. We think this may have big implications for how obstetrical care is delivered going forward. In this particular analysis, we also looked at the state level use of telehealth in the perinatal period. This particular slide just shows uh, a small sample, uh, just uh, a handful of states. But in our, um, our publication, we have all 50 states reported. What you see is incredibly variable use rates in different states. In this case, we saw relatively low use rates in certain states, South Carolina and Texas, for example, were quite low, but very high use rates in uh, Delaware and Massachusetts. Um, we looked at the use of telehealth in the three months pre and the three months post across the country. Uh, we're seeing that about 38% of visits were delivered using telehealth in the prepartum and about 30% in the postpartum period. Uh, that's looking at births in June, 2020. So really exciting information. What does this mean for uh, moms and the obstetrical community in each of these states? Well, we hope that they're able to look at this information and determine you know, what's, what's best for their state going forward. So we'll wrap up here. In conclusion, the, the COVID-19 pandemic was a real catalyst for telehealth adoption. Uh, we haven't had anything like it over the last 20 years to spur uh, the use of telehealth. It was an incredible incentive for both patients and providers because we had this requirement for social distancing. Uh, providers and patients really uh, across the board, many, many had their first experience ever with telehealth during the pandemic. And uh, we see that it was an innovative tool that in virtually every clinical specialty uh, and almost every clinical health condition, we see telehealth uh, being used and avidly so. Uh, patients and providers reported really high satisfaction with telehealth. And it's clear that 
uh, both groups expect that telehealth will continue to be used in the future. This particular research really is descriptive. We're just outlining where telehealth was used, how telehealth was used, but we really haven't asked the important questions about quality and value of telehealth. And we know that uh, research design will need to be substantially more sophisticated to try to get into those uh, qualitative reasons. We'll also need probably a combination of long-term uh, claims analysis, but also uh, focus groups and, uh, and, uh, and qualitative research methods to help answer this. So with that, I think we'll close. I hope I've spurred as many questions for you as we have uh, new insight. We hope that for the clinicians in the office, uh, in the audience, that you uh, continue to use telehealth into the future. And all of us who are patients, I think, uh, understand now uh, what the future might look like in our own personal healthcare journeys. So thank you very much and uh, look forward to future collaborations. Please feel free to get in touch with us. I'd encourage you to visit our website. That's the c19hcc.org slash telehealth. And you can see all of the information that you saw today and much more. Uh, happy to be in touch with you by email. My email address is on the slide. So thank you very much. Look forward to whatever comes next.